want to invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one from the back table. If you don't own a Bible, please feel free to take one of those as our gift to you. I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving, we often think about food. Well, we do more than just think about it. Uh, this morning, I want to uh, share with you about one of the things that I love most. Uh, some of you may call them pierogies. I grew up calling them Varenica. Uh, it's cottage cheese pierogies, kind of a Mennonite thing with, with white sauce or fat on it. Uh, even saying that word, I feel my arteries clogging. Uh, Varenica with schmunfat and sugar. I, I, I grew up putting sugar on top of it. I love it. One of my most favorite things to eat. And uh, just, just love them. Don't get them very often. Uh, but I, I want to share, a number of years ago, this is going back uh, quite a ways, uh, somehow during the day, Christine told me that we were going to have Varenica for supper. Now, by we, at that point, it was just me and my boys. Christine has celiac disease, can't have Renica, so she, she always would make something else for her, but, but when, whenever we have that, all I want is Renica. Like some people will eat farmer sausage with it, but I'm like, I want to save all that space for as many pierogies as I can have. So I was excited, going home for supper, going to have Renica, uh, you know, with schmud fat on it, it was going to be awesome. I was excited, I walked in the door, and I realized in a moment that something was wrong, horribly wrong. I smelt it, and it was awful. I thought, what is that? It didn't smell anything like Veronica. And, and then I realized, to my horror, that my wife, who can't have them in her defense, needs to eat something else, had decided to boil for herself a pot of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Miniature fart bombs is what I've heard them called. Like, that's one of the worst things, and it smells, I, maybe some of you disagree with me, but just the smell of Brussels sprouts just pervaded the whole house. And I'm like, how can I eat Renica and enjoy it with that overwhelming, ugh. It was, I, I, I said, please, never again, let's mix these things. It, it was this, this smell, this quality of the air, it was, it was overwhelming. It was unavoidable. It was obvious and strong. It was the first thing that hit me when I walked in the door. Uh, this morning, this Thanksgiving weekend, I, I want to speak about a quality that is to so characterize our lives as the people of Christ that likewise, it, it's obvious, dominating positively. Every illustration breaks down at some point. But something that would be so overwhelming, so obvious, so clear, so unavoidable, and that is the quality of thankfulness. The quality of gratitude to God. Thankfulness to God is to characterize our lives as the people of God. It is to be this quality that is so pervasive, just permeating every aspect of our lives, that it is obvious and, and, and visible very clear. Now, most of you will remember, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, uh, that through our mission and vision series of messages, uh, we looked uh, one Sunday when we looked at growing deeper in intimacy with Christ, we looked at the letter to the Colossians. We're going back there. Uh, this time, we're going to turn to chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. I just want to uh, quickly, by way of reminder, and for those of you who weren't with us, just so you know sort of where we're at in this letter, what's going on, let me uh, share a few things again that I noted then. 
The city of Colossae is one of three cities in the Lycus River Valley. Uh, there's a city called Hierapolis and also Laodicea. These are three related uh, triplet cities, if you want to call them that. They, they're all nearby related. And Paul uh, writes this letter to, Coloss- to a church in Colossae. Uh, we know that there's a church in Laodicea. He tells the Colossians to send their letter to them afterwards. We also know that there is at least a gospel work, if not a church in Hierapolis. So there's these three cities, and uh, they're located nearby. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes uh, this letter. He also writes a second letter that also is sent to this city of Colossae, and that is the letter of Philemon. Whereas Colossians is a letter to the church in this city, Philemon is a letter to one member in that church. Now, Paul did not found this church, you might remember. That was done by a man named Epaphras, but Paul has been called by God to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and so he cares deeply for them, takes responsibility for them. He has received a report from Epaphras about this church. Much that is going on is good, Uh, But there is also a problem. There is some false teaching that is threatening them. And so in this letter, that's one of the things we know Paul addresses. He encourages much that is good, but then he warns them of the dangers of this false teaching and calls them back to the truth of the gospel. That's the the context of the letter. Now, the flow of the argument, we're jumping into things at chapter 3. So what's been going on uh, up to this point? Well, Paul has been, for uh, the bulk of the first half of Colossians, Paul has been speaking to them about what is true. Uh, What is true about God, what is true about what God has done, what is true about them through their faith in Jesus. Colossians 1.12, he says that they have been qualified by the Father uh, to share in the inheritance of the saints. Uh, A little bit later, they have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son whom the Father loves. Uh, Later on in chapter 2, he speaks of how their old self was put off and they are uh, now made alive. They were dead in their sins, but God has made them alive. So he's been speaking to them for the first half of the letter about what is true about God, what is true about them through faith, faith in Jesus, what is reality? That they are new creatures in Christ. And now in the second half of the letter, the focus will shift from what what is true, what God has done through Christ, to what are the implications of that for you now? What difference should that make in how you live? Uh, So that's what's going on here. Uh, We're picking things up in chapter 3. So he is already at the place where he is spelling out for them, here are the implications of what is true. This is what God has done. This is how you are to live now in response to what God has done. So chapter 3 begins, since then you've been raised with Christ. So since this is true, since you are alive in Christ, now live in this way. So in the verses right before the the text that we're going to read in a moment, uh, Paul has said two things. First, put to death... Uh, the vices, the sins, the, those behaviors, those patterns that were part of your life apart from Christ. Don't, don't continue to practice those things. Those things belong to an old way of life. That's not your life anymore. You've been made alive with God. So put those off and then put on these new virtues. And he actually goes through a whole bunch of virtues, a bunch of things that is to characterize their lives as believers. Not in order that they would be saved, but because they are saved. Because Christ has redeemed you here. And he calls them to exemplify things like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. Uh, An important thing to realize is that all of these things, he's speaking to them as a community. All of those virtues listed uh, require community. That's an important thing for us to hear. We tend to, in our culture, read Scripture often very individualistically. But if you think with me for a moment, none of these things are things you can do by yourself. How, How do you 
how, how do you demonstrate compassion if you're by yourself? Or kindness? Or patience? I mean, patience by very definition means there needs to be someone who's going to tend to make you feel impatient so that you can be patient. Or forgiveness. These are things that we are to live out in community, in relationship with one another. So that's where we're going to pick things up. Paul has just said, put off these things, put on these things. We're picking it up, up at verse 15. If you have your Bible, I invite you to follow along as I read just three verses. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I want to walk through this text with under, under three headings. First, the peace of Christ. Secondly, the message of Christ. And third, the name of Christ. The peace of Christ, the message of Christ, the name of Christ. Paul is speaking to the Colossians as a church, as a community. So let's bear that in mind. We need to hear this thing, right? In that day, they didn't all have copies of, uh, of this letter. They didn't have Bibles sitting on their nightstands. They heard the Word of God when they gathered together. Uh, certainly, they would have copied it out so they could send a copy of this to the church at Laodicea, as they're told. But, but they, they hear this. This is a word from God through the Apostle Paul to them as a community. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Uh, this points, of course, to what God has accomplished through Christ, which certainly includes personal salvation, that through faith in Christ, we have peace with God. We, we were his enemies, but we have been brought into relationship with God now through Jesus, and so we have peace with God. But, but that is not the only kind of peace here, and I would suggest that's not the primary thing that Paul is getting at. This is a piece that characterizes their community on the horizontal level. Jesus' death on the cross brings uh, peace, shalom, right relatedness between us and God, but also between us and one another. We are, we are brought into right relationship. Jesus came to set all things right. That's what the cross is about. Peace vertically and peace horizontally in the community of the redeemed. And so Paul, in speaking to this community, speaking about their relationships, speaking about how they are to bear with one another and forgive one another and love one another and show compassion to one another, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He's speaking about the peace in the community, the peace that has been accomplished through Christ's death on the cross, through what God has accomplished in them, redeeming them. Let that peace rule in your hearts. Here's how one scholar puts it. The peace of Christ is to hold sway over the whole of the reader's lives as they relate to one another. Let the peace of Christ, let what God has accomplished through Christ rule in your hearts. They're brought in right relationship with God. They were His enemies. Now, they are His children. That peace goes beyond just me and Jesus. It goes to my relationships with you as my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it's not merely an absence of hostility. It is about a deep and genuine harmony as we are united in Christ, our Redeemer. It's at this point that we come in the text to the matter that I want to focus our attention on. And Paul writes, and be thankful. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Recognize the implications of what Christ has done, that you have peace with God, but you have peace with one another, that God has brought us into a body, that there is to be unity through Christ amongst us. And be thankful, he says. That's an imperative, a command. The whole of the Christian life is lived in response to what God's done. In light of what God in Christ has done, in light of the peace that is ours with God and with one another, be thankful. Be thankful. We are, because of the cross, because of what God has done, we are to be expressing thanks. We are to have our hearts filled with gratitude to God for what He has accomplished between us and Him and horizontally that, that our, our lives are to be characterized by this thankfulness. See what God has done and be thankful. Gratitude is rightly the natural and called for response to what God has done in Christ. In light of the cross, in light of his redemption, in light of his forming us into one body, united in him, we are to be men and women who are thankful, and so the command. Again, not be thankful so that you're accepted, but in light of your your acceptance, in light of all that God has done, be thankful. We are to be characterized by this gratitude. Secondly, the message of Christ. Remember still Paul's words to a community, the church at Colossae. Paul writes this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Just as they were exhorted to to, uh, let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts, here they are exhorted to let the message of Christ dwell richly among them. The gospel is not something that we ever move on from. The gospel message of Christ's death for sinners is not something only for lost people to hear. Uh, Once we come to faith in Christ, we somehow move on to more significant things. No, the message of Christ is to dwell richly among us. The gospel is to be central to our life together in community. Uh, We are to be a gospel-saturated people. We are to proclaim the good news to one another in word and in song. When we teach, when we admonish, even when we warn one another, it is the gospel, the message of Christ, His grace for us, His death for our sin, all that is accomplished through Him. That is what we are to proclaim in our conversations, in community, indeed in our corporate worship. As we gather, we sing, uh, our songs are to 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 just pour forth the message of Christ. Christ is to be central. Christ is to be at the heart of all that we do. Christianity is about Jesus. It is centered upon Christ, upon His love for us, upon His death in our place, His sacrifice for us, bearing the penalty for my sin and your sin. So that through faith in Christ, we receive grace. We are forgiven. We are adopted as daughters and sons by the Father. We are brought into that body, brought into right relationship with God. If you're with us this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I I want you to hear this. If you're with us online, Christianity is about what Christ has done, not about what you have to do to get right with God. We're called to put our hope in Him, to say, Jesus, you are my only hope. Left to ourselves, we cannot, we cannot make ourselves right with God. The Bible tells us that we have all rebelled, that we are all guilty and under God's coming judgment. And our only hope is to, to cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, 
I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. You are my only hope. And when we do that, when we put our faith in Christ, we are forgiven. We are washed. We are cleansed. We are brought from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are daughters and sons of the King of Kings. Our identity is changed. It's what Paul has been describing in chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians. Our new identity in Christ, that's the gospel. When we simply say, God, I am in desperate need, Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with these words, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know that they come to God with empty hands, empty pockets. You've had nothing to offer but your need. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Salvation is a gift of grace. It's a gift of God's mercy. It's not earned. That's the gospel message. And so if you've never trusted Christ, if you have thought wrongly about Christianity, somehow you've thought, oh, this is something I have to produce. I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm not sure I, I, I could do this. We can't. You can't. None of us can. We're, we're called to the cross. We're called to come to Christ and say, Jesus, you are my only hope. And when we trust him, we are made new. We experience this radical transformation by the work of God. He pours out His Spirit and we are born again. We are made new. And so that's the gospel. That's the message of Christ. And that is the message that is to dwell among us richly. It is to characterize everything. Our singing, our talking, our relationships, our praying. That it is Christ-centered on what Christ has done. Alistair Begg, some of you perhaps familiar with him. I heard him speak once, and he drew uh, my attention, our attention as listeners, to the fact that so often uh, today he, he visited a, a large church uh, in the U.S., not where he was pastoring. And, and the worship leader went up to begin, and, and he began with the words, How are you all feeling? And Alistair went off a little bit saying, it's not about what I feel, it's about what I know. Don't, don't ask me how I feel. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me. It's about what we know as believers. We need to hear the Word proclaimed. We need to have our attention drawn to Jesus, to His love for us. Don't ask me how I feel. Ask me what I know. The message of Christ is to saturate, permeate, infuse our life together as a community. It is to infuse everything. And, and then Paul says this, that as we sing, as the gospel message, as the message of Christ permeates, saturates our life together, we are to sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. There we come again to gratitude. That is this, this thankfulness. As we, as we reflect on, as we are reminded, as we remind one another daily, as we are reminded, as we sing the gospel truths, we are to be filled with gratitude to God. Because Jesus is our only hope. That if God had not acted to redeem us, we would be without hope. But He has. And we are His. And we are secure. And we are loved. And we are forgiven. And we are accepted. And so our hearts are to burst forth with gratitude as we proclaim the message of Christ. We are to be thankful for the peace of Christ. We are to be thankful as we proclaim the message of Christ. We turn thirdly to the name of Christ. Here in this final verse, we see the grand scope of what 
what we are called to as those who are redeemed by Christ. The peace of Christ is to rule, and we are to be thankful. The, the message of Christ is to dwell richly, and we are to be filled with gratitude. And now in verse 17, we see that gratitude is to characterize not only us in those areas, but in everything. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. To do something in the name of someone is to do something uh, in a way that represents them. That is, as those who put our faith in Jesus, we live as his representatives. We are to do everything that we do as his representatives. That's a challenging thing to hear. Now, what I want you to hear again, what I want you to remember again, is that we aren't right with God because we get that right. We've been redeemed by grace. We've been redeemed through his mercy, through the performance of Christ. But in light of that, we are to live now as representatives, faithful representatives of Christ. We are to do whatever we do in word and in deed. That is what we say and what we do in our actions as representatives of Jesus. And, and, and so that means everything. Whatever you do, whatever I do, whatever I say, whatever actions I take, I do as a representative of Christ. I do in his name, again, giving thanks to the Father. That, that even as I live out my life as a follower of Jesus, I am giving thanks. I am praising him for his goodness, for the privilege, for his presence with me, for his call, for the, the joy of living for him, serving him, sacrificing for him, giving thanks to the Father. Peter O'Brien writes this, Every activity is to be done in obedience to the Lord Jesus, accompanied by the giving of thanks to God through Christ. In light of the good news, we are to live our lives sold out for Jesus. Obedience is not so that we will be accepted. It, it is a grateful response to the fact that we are accepted through Him. In Christ, your life is not your own. In Christ, you have been bought. You belong to Him. And you are called to live as his representative, to live in his name, in whatever you do or say, giving thanks to God for the joy, for the privilege, for the opportunity. There is never an occasion in your life or mine when we should not be giving thanks to God. As we speak, as we act, as we live, we do so for Christ, giving thanks to God through Christ for all that Christ has done and for the great privilege we have of living as his ambassadors. It is so very easy today to become distracted. It is so very easy today to be discouraged, to be disillusioned. We look around and we see the massive impact that COVID-19 has had on our world, on our own lives. We wonder, perhaps we worry, will things ever go back to normal? We can look around and see so many ungodly ideologies being pushed and being advanced around us. We see the destructive ways that is impacting people, young and old. We, we look around and we see politically that the world is growing more and more divided, more and more losing the ability to even have a conversation. Many in our world are filled with anxiety and worry, perhaps even Many of us. 
This morning, Jesus wants to speak into our angst. He wants to speak to us this morning. He wants to say these words to you and to me. Let my peace rule in your hearts. Look at what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look at what is true through what I have done. And be thankful. Jesus wants to say, let the message of my grace dwell richly among you. When you gather, as you scatter, let the message of my grace permeate your life, your thoughts, your heart, and may your hearts be filled with gratitude. And then as you live out your days, live for me. Live in my name. Live as my representatives. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in my name for my glory, giving thanks to God the Father through me. Jesus is encouraging us in the face of whatever we experience to look to him, to look at what he has done, what is true about us through him and what we're called to, the great privilege of living as his children. And he calls us to thankfulness. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, that there is so much for which we can be thankful. For what is true through Christ. For the privilege he's given us to live for Christ. In the face of whatever challenges we face. But it is thankfulness, it is gratitude to God that is to characterize our lives. And let me say this. As we, by the power of Christ through His Spirit, live that out, as we live as women and men, young and old, we walk through the halls of your school students. You go to work, you live in your neighborhood, you go to the grocery store, and we're characterized not by fear, but by peace and gratitude because we can point to Jesus and His love and His grace and and the future He's promised and the security that we have and the privilege, the honor we have of living for Him. And we we just burst forth with gratitude. Our lives permeate with gratitude and thankfulness, people will look at us as weirdos and go, what is up with you? And we can say, Jesus. I'm thankful because of Jesus. Jesus has made all the difference in my life. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, we have so much for which to be grateful. May Jesus be at the center of our thoughts, our hearts, our affections. May we remember these gospel truths. And may our hearts overflow with gratitude. May our lives smell of gratitude. There is nothing at risk. Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. Jesus Christ rules and Jesus Christ is coming. So let us be people who give Him thanks, whose lives overflow in gratitude for His glory and our joy. Amen.